Father, help us tonight, Lord, to uh, Lord, just contemplate the cross together. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, and we can't even begin to imagine really what happened on that, that day and what you went through. And Lord, Holy Spirit, just speak to us tonight, God, to impart something deeper into our hearts than not just read a story and go through another year or, or sing some songs or listen to a sermon. But Holy Spirit, we need you to make it come alive in our hearts. God, that we would write it up on our hearts, Lord, and make it real, so real, Lord, that we would feel it, Lord, not just in an emotional feeling, but in our soul, God, that we would feel, uh, Lord, who you really are and what you've done for us and your love towards us. In Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you about love under pressure tonight, really about Jesus and two thieves, but not the thieves you might think. There's a phrase that's called thick as thieves. It really is about where two friends are almost inseparable, that uh, two or more people where they're close friends who stick together through all things. And we say sometimes uh, closer than a brother, meaning that they're all close, that there's nothing that can break them apart. But even rocks will break under the right amount of pressure. Even rocks break under the right pressure. And when the pressure's on, that relationship can be tested. So what separates the best of friends? What binds them together in the most difficult trials? And when the pressure's on, you find out who you really are. And you find out what relationships are really made of. And tonight I want to talk about what we're really made of. When we look and find out when the pressure was on with Jesus... So on the night Jesus was betrayed, the Last Supper, it, began with, it didn't begun, begin with a sweet devotion like we think. On that night, the disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest. And so in this room, tense, this tense atmosphere was in this room. And while Jesus, no doubt his mind was on uh, the hour that he was in, and no doubt there was anxiety and, and thinking about the weight he was about to carry and the pain and the suffering he was about to endure because he had seen so many crucifixions in his life before. The disciples, filled with pride, be arguing within themselves. And immediately in the midst of that tension, Jesus stops. And then despite three years of close proximity, all of them not realizing the hour and the time because of the pride of their hearts, Jesus, John chapter 13, verse 3 says, Knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper, he laid aside his garments... And he took a towel and he girded himself and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Jesus broke the tension in the room and immediately took the place of a servant, teaching them this vital lesson. He bowed to their feet and illustrated physically what he was about to do spiritually. And yet all the while his faith was not focusing or his mind was not focusing on himself so much as we find in this moment. We see that he was focused on his friends and he was focused on his father. And he told them, he said, you ought to wash one another's feet for I gave you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. And that night he repeatedly told them to love one another. Again, he's about to die. He's about to be punished. He's about to be scorched. His flesh ripped off of his back. His uh, brow beaten and, and pierced with thorns. His hands and feet nailed, mocked and abused. And yet he keeps telling them, love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Stick together. Stick together. 
And he says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, if you stick together, if you're bound in my love. And Jesus goes on to the garden. He warns them of coming persecution. He encourages them again, stick together. He even asks them so far to say, will you lay down your life for me? And even though they stood with him this far, when everyone else had previously fled, when the pressure was on, when it came down to the number and to the hour, the Bible says they all left him and fled when the pressure was on. Peter even denied knowing Jesus three times because why? They were prideful, filled with pride. And man, we have a God who is compassionate on their weakness. In John 13, 1 through 2, it says, Jesus, knowing his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Jesus, abandoned by his friends, the Bible says he loved them to the very end. And you know in those times that Jesus, no doubt today, is crying out to people who are lost in sin, lost in drugs, lost in alcohol, lost in pride of self, building myself up. It could be arrogance, it could be gossip, it could be anger. And all the way to the very, very end of wherever they are, he's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Doesn't matter how far you've gone from me, doesn't matter how many times you've turned your back on me, doesn't matter how many times you've abandoned me, he's still speaking out, I love you, I love you, I love you. He loved them to the very end. When the pressure of pride was on, It split his disciples from him, but it didn't split him. Does our love for Jesus stand under pressure, or does the pride of self cause it to crumble? Do we build ourselves up, and do we hold on to our own lives? Do we fail to lose them for fear? Yet Jesus is holding on. He's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Would you just let that pride of self go? Would you just stop building yourself up? Would you be just focused on the hour that I'm going to do something? Would you just love me and love one another? Let it all go. Jesus loved when the pressure was on. We talk about the first thief, and the first thief I want to talk about really is Judas. Judas, Jesus loved to the very end, even though he was abandoned by his friends, and now you see Jesus, he knew from the very beginning who would betray him. And days before, Mary, in the house of Simon the leper with Lazarus there, just over the hill of Mount of Olives in a town called Bethany, Mary began to wipe the feet of Jesus, crying and anointing it with oil. And Judas speaking up, he says, why don't we, she should have sold this to the poor. She should have given this and and we could have done something with it, could have done some ministry with it. But the Bible tells that Judas really saying that didn't care at all about the poor. But it says in John 12, 4, that he was uh, not concerned about the poor because he was a thief. And he used to pilfer the money box. You see, Judas even having a relationship with Christ, even going through the miracles and going through all the uh, routine, like we can go through all the church routine, we can hear all the sermons, we can go to all the services, we can be on the Sunday school team, we can be on the worship team. And yet Judas was still secretly holding on to the lust of the flesh. He was still secretly holding on to his desires, going through the motions, acting the part. No one knew the wiser, but secretly on the inside, he'd been stealing. 
Secretly on the inside, he'd been consumed by money and greed and lust of flesh. And yet Jesus, knowing this, allowed Judas to sit. How many times we get to come to church and Jesus knows our secret sin, but he lets us come anyway. He lets us listen. He lets us hear. And he keeps Judas apart. And the apostle John adds that in that one night, Satan had put it in Judas's heart. And he was already intending to betray Jesus. It had grown so much that lust of the flesh had pride and greed had grown in Judas. And he had already begun, even knowing that the hour was coming and we were approaching Jerusalem. Judas had been intending, it had been building up that he would betray him. He was a thief in his heart and he lusted after money. And Judas dwelt on this lust and he went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me to betray him? What are you willing to give me? What can I get? out of betraying Jesus to you. The Bible says they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him, the price of a slave. And so he abandoned the love of Jesus for the lusts of this world. He abandoned the love of Jesus for the lusts of this world. And the Bible says in Luke 22, 3, then Satan entered him. And that night, here is Judas having already known what he's done. He comes back to that upper room and they're eating Passover together. In the midst of the congregation, he still knows what he is. He still knows what he's doing. He knows he's about to do. Jesus, likewise, filled with the Spirit, knows what Judas has done. Knows what he's about to do. And he begins to eat. The Bible tells us that John would be sitting on to Uh, Jesus is left and Judas would be sitting on to Jesus's right, probably. And they would begin to eat of the same cup or eat of the same bread and eat of the same plate. And I can imagine that Jesus would take off a piece of bread and Judas would get the other half of it. The Bible says that seat was reserved for a place of honor to the right. And Jesus, no doubt, probably orchestrated that Judas would sit in that place And so this is the very moment, Jesus, knowing that Judas has betrayed him, knowing that his disciples are prideful and and concerned about their own status in the kingdom, and he's saying, would you just love one another? Love one another. I love you. I love you. Would you just love one another? Stick together. Don't fall apart. Don't break apart. Stay in my love. Abide in my love. Judas betraying. Peter, prideful. Disciples all about to flee. Jesus breaks the silence, breaks that moment, kneels down, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And who is to his right that he would begin to wash his feet? He would begin to wash Judas's feet. Jesus served his betrayer and began to wash his feet. I, I can't even imagine that Jesus would probably be weeping in that moment, knowing, hey, would you just stick with me? Don't leave me. Understand, I love you. Stick together. Listen to my love. You've been with me from the very beginning, and no one would be the wiser. And every time in a church service... Jesus can see all the faces and all the people. He knows who's out there, what your secret sin is, what your pride is, what the lust of the flesh is. And he's saying to you, I love you. I serve you. I'm dying for you. Stick with me. And we can go through all the motions. We can sit there. We can let Jesus serve us. We can let him uh, break bread with him. What a betrayal. And because Judas was not moved by Jesus' actions, the Bible says that Jesus was troubled in spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he prophesied again as a warning that he was about to be betrayed. And yet Judas, he didn't sense the Holy Spirit, and he did not repent. He had all the times to repent. He prophesies his betrayal, and John leans over to Jesus, and he secretly asks, who is it going to be? 
The Bible says that Jesus answered to John, this is the one whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simeon Iscariot. Now the morsel was this piece of bread. And the tradition would say that when you would break bread with someone in ancient culture, it was a binding. It was the two brothers. It was the thickest thieves. It was something you shouldn't break. That if you would go against that friendship, that relationship, it was a great betrayal. And also the first person who would get the morsel from the host would be the guest of honor. And in that moment, Jesus takes that bread and gives it to his guest of honor. He gives it to the beloved on his right, Judas, whom he just washed his feet. And with that dip and in giving that, he was saying, I love you. I love you. Nevertheless, Jesus had appealed to Judas one last time. But Judas turned aside. He followed the devil He had the authorities meet Jesus in a familiar place of prayer of all places. And there in the garden, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and a kiss, the price of a slave. And that was all that his friendship and all that his love was worth. He could have stopped at any moment. His betrayal was intentional. It was premeditated. And yet Jesus said to him that night as they're in Golgotha, the place where they continued to pray, where Judas had known they had had revival in that moment. Judas had been in that place of prayer. And yet he comes and he finds him because he knew where Jesus would be. And he comes and he kisses his master. And Jesus says to him one key word. He says, friend, do what you've come to do. He called him friend, friend, friend. They laid hands on him and they seized Jesus. They took him away. Disciples were never suspicious of Judas. The duplicity, they, one author says, that never drew attention. He appeared just as sincere as all the rest, yet his lust cost him to betray innocent blood. He betrayed his own friend. He turned from the love of Christ. Do we give in to the evil desires of our heart? Do we listen to the voice of the tempter and the deceiver? Are we contemplating with secret sin? Do we disregard the persistent declarations of Christ that is telling us, I love you, I love you? And he he asks us to lay it all down and return to his love. Christ has served us through his cross. So he's abandoned by his followers, he was betrayed by his friend, and then we come to the next thief, the thief on the cross. We find Christ abandoned, betrayed, wrongfully accused, condemned, beaten, mocked, cursed, scourged, and now being crucified. So not only that, but the pressure, the pressure of his friends leaving him and his followers leaving him, but the pressure of all the sins of man began to lay upon Christ's shoulders and the glory of God began to depart from him. And the Bible says that Jesus was the glory of the Father, that he was a heaven's most glorious person, the most valuable thing and person in the universe, that all glory dwelt in Jesus. And now he had laid that glory aside to put on my curse and your curse, that glory departed and the curse came upon. Heaven's favorite son, God's only son, he who had stood between the angels and holy place of God, now stood between two convicted criminals. And they began to hurl insults at him, this glory. In the midst of great pain and suffering, though, 
In the midst of all this ridicule, betrayal, and abandonment, Jesus turned his focus not to himself, not to his own pain, not to his own suffering, not to his own problems, but he, began to, he turned to the thief on the cross that had begun to speak up. No doubt this thief on the cross had saw this man because Jesus, in the midst of all this pain and suffering and betrayal, kept saying just this one phrase, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. No doubt every time he got slapped and beaten on the way up to the cross, he began to say, Father, just forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't understand. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Over and over again, he began to say, Father, forgive them. And that thief, no doubt, right behind him or in front of him, began to hear this man. How can a man like this begin to forgive people who've beaten him and accused him and, and whipped him and, and scourged him and, and begin to put him on the cross and nailed him? He kept saying, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. And yet, no doubt, that thief began to think, this man must be righteous. He cannot do this without having some divine love inside of him. So the second criminal says, this man must be righteous. He's innocent. And so Christ turns to, in the middle of his own suffering and pain and abandonment and betrayal, Christ turns to this other man, a lost man. And he says, Truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. When the pressure of all this world, its sin and evil and broken relationships with only the only thing that came out of Christ was love. That's all he had in him. When the pressure's on with us, when people begin to push our buttons, what comes out of us? Anger and violence and rage and slander and betrayal and, and all these things that begin to come out of us, but that when all the world's pressure was on him, all that came out was love. Like the disciples, Christ challenges us still tonight to love one another, to be known by his love. What are you made of, Christian? Do we have that love, that divine love, agape love inside of us? Is that what comes out of us? Because Christ is still saying to us today, be known by my love. Love one another as I have loved you. We're all the thief. We can choose to be the followers who fled, the friend who betrayed, the thief, though, who said, I know I'm guilty, but this man is righteous. He's innocent. Say, God, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, renew. And I'm praying tonight, God, help me to be a better man. Help us to be better people, Lord, not on our own efforts, but God, filled with your love. That when the pressure is on, when the finances begin to crumble and the marriage gets tough and the kids get bad and, and the work doesn't work and, and all the things of this world that begin to weigh upon us, God, may only your love come out. May only your love come out when the pressure is on.